Welcome to Backyards and Bevies. Grab your favorite bevy, pull up a chair, and enjoy the ride. Hey, B&B fam. This podcast is sponsored to you by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is there something getting in the way of your happiness? I know when I traveled the world, I had many days where BetterHelp's worldwide service of licensed professional therapists could have helped me speak to someone no matter where I was in the world about whatever was happening with my life and with zero judgment. With their ability to match me with a therapist that best fits me, I know my mental health would have been way better back then. Believe me, I needed it. But I'm here to share a way for you to take back control of your mental health by telling you about BetterHelp's awesome services they have for you to talk with a pro about your life through their app or just online. Whether it is a video session or some simple messaging, their team is here to help. I went to check out the app for myself just to see how easy it was to use. And after a series of questions, I was told I would be able to start matching with a therapist in under 48 hours. And what is super rad is that it's affordable and they even offer financial aid too. So come join the 2 million users that have already been helped and gain back control of your mental health by visiting betterhelp.com slash backyards for 10% off your first month. Remember, BetterHelp is therapy done securely online. Don't forget to use the special code backyards and let BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, help you to start living a happier life today. And we're live. Hey. Hi. Welcome to this week's midweek treat in the backyard of Backyards and Bevies. Yeah. In the backyard of Backyards, oh, backyards and, and Bevies. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> the, the office is technically inside. We're That's just, correct. But we're, we're just in the, the backyard. backyard. Um, well, if you're watching this on the YouTubes, uh, it looks like it's snowing. <laughs> yeah. But it's about, what would you say? It's 88 degrees. 750 plus, degrees. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty it feels hot. feels like we're in an oven. Yeah, we're close to the sun. Mm-hmm. Closer to the sun Closer somehow. To I don't the know. Sun. I think we got I think the house is it's lifted warm. a little today. It's a bit warm. <laughs> um, I actually picked up something really delicious today. I just want to share it with everyone. Um, I like me some Diet Mountain Dew, but at the store, we passed an aisle that had hard seltzer mountain, mountain dew yeah you got very excited i i didn't realize that i liked mountain dew as much as i do i didn't realize that you did either <laughs> all of a sudden it's like all mountain dew drinks and now you even have an alcoholic mountain dew drink i seriously was like what well when i first saw it I was like really mountain dew um but this baja blast changed my mind yeah that thing is pretty amazing if i had a boat <laughs> We could or, just get you a kiddie pool. Or just a pool. I'd yeah. be, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm in my backyard drinking one right now, there so I really go. can't complain. But uh, it does appear like it's snowing. It's not. Uh, I do have a Mountain Dew. Um, yeah, the stuff that's hard like. Hard seltzer, which is true. Also true. The stuff that's floating in the air to explain is what makes it look like it's snowing. We have, I don't know, trees that are like. Yeah, it's a cottonwood tree. Yeah. They look like little dandelions floating everywhere if you watch stranger things it looks like we're in the upside down yeah it looks Pretty like wild. uh in stranger things i think it's pieces of dead skin off the yeah, giant like that off the giant beast in the underworld here it looks like little dried skin but yeah little fluffs but yeah so uh busy day today we've been running around but yes. we decided to do the podcast in the afternoon and it's lovely out here and we're just so excited that you guys tuned in for part two yes to bk's amazing journey in life into the music business because mm-hmm. i was like i got to explain my side of it mm-hmm. and you know we both worked in the music business when we met mm-hmm. and so i think that it's interesting that for years i think we stood at Probably same concerts and same yeah, music venues <laughs> and had probably somewhat of the same friends-ish. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we crossed paths many times and just had no idea. Too many times. It was funny was I was looking for you and you were looking for me. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you know, we dated people and went on our own ways and did Ended things. Ended up meeting and, at the right time. Uh, yeah, if we would have met like a day earlier Wouldn't could have been, been the right time. could have been yeah <laughs> fire <laughs> yeah definitely glad it happened when yeah, it did light a match burn it let's move on Woo. but we uh ended up meeting because of music mm-hmm. so you know and, and i think that 
this is part of these stories that I like to share with the listeners because though we all have stories, I think we can all share stories with someone at some point and inspire them. Mm. And I know that I have been able to do that at least with one person in my 38, nine years of living. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I, I, I know that you inspire me every day. So I'm just going to say you. that there's your number one. <laughs> um, but it's, it's your work ethic. It's your smartness. It's your all the things that make you who you are. And so I think going down this journey is really cool because now with the listeners, if they don't know you like I know you, they get mm-hmm. to hear your side. So we left off with you moving around a lot. Yes. You were singing in choirs and yes. you were managing a band managing in high school. Managing a band. Would managing be the word or would it be practice managing? <laughs> I mean, I took them to their shows and What does a manager do? Like like definitions are I think handy sometimes for mm. listeners cuz when I first started in the music business, I was like, I want to be a tour manager. I'm going to go to school for business management mm-hmm. and that's no. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Not the same. So I think that it's interesting. I think it's helpful, especially that we have a- about a 50 50 listening group that mm-hmm. maybe there's some young people in there too that have maybe wanted to go into music to listen to mm-hmm. this. So, what is a, a manager? So, it's funny that you asked that because I actually came up with this analogy. Mm-hmm. A while ago, and it has become my favorite way and what I think is the easiest way to describe what a manager does um, and then as well as what a day-to-day mm-hmm. manager does, which is also my title. So, <laughs> uh, and a little disclaimer, this is not meant to be sacrilegious in any way, shape, or form. So everybody <laughs> just calm down. This is an analogy. <laughs> so if you... Uh, took an artist. Name an artist. Um, hmm. I don't know. Snoop Dogg. Okay. Because <laughs> he's on Perfect. Your shirt. He's on my shirt. Okay. <laughs> so imagine that Snoop Dogg is the sun, mm-hmm. and all of the planets mm-hmm. that are revolving around the sun. Yeah. Uh, each planet is a different aspect of Snoop Dogg's career. Mm-hmm. So one planet would be. The record label. Another planet would be the booking agency who Mm -hmm. uh, plans and books Snoop Dogg's tours. Mm -hmm. Another could be um, if he had a liquor or like a restaurant business Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, Another would be like the publishing company that handles uh, pitching songs that maybe he would write and stuff like that. So you've got all these planets, every single aspect of an artist's career that may not even necessarily have to do with music. Mm-hmm. You know, it could just be an expansion of their brand. Each of those is a planet, and those planets are revolving around the sun, which is Snoop Dogg. So the manager mm-hmm. is like God overseeing all of these planets to mm-hmm. make sure that they are doing their job mm-hmm. to make the sun shine the brightest. Ah. And the day-to-day manager mm-hmm. is basically like the guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Who goes and makes all of the details of all of those things happen? Ah, okay. So you're your big guy upstairs mm-hmm. looking over the artist is making sure that the planets are moving at the right pace because if yeah, they're you know, doing like, what they're supposed yeah, to do. Because like I know you know just from talking with artists and knowing artists and hearing your stories, there's a lot of times where I think there's a little spider hanging out on me. Yeah. There was. Um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of times where people want to move too fast. Like, oh, I wish this Mm. would just happen tomorrow. And I think part of your job is allowing people to know like, Hey, the planet is coming around. We just need to wait for it to get back in the right spot before we make our move. Definitely. So that's part of the bigger picture. And then the day to day, like you said, is kind of following around, making sure that those pieces are actually connecting. Yeah. So, I mean, if you could imagine Mm. that like... Snoop Dogg's manager, whoever yeah. that may be, I bet is, he's cool. I, I bet, bet he is. I bet he's cool. AF. He or she. He or knows? she. Yeah. I if they are, you know, if Snoop's getting ready to like come out with new music, yeah, yeah. The manager is talking to, 
you know, the head of A&R and the producer mm-hmm. at the record label and stuff like that, making sure like, okay, so what's the plan for this? Yeah. And then Snoop's manager is going to his day-to-day manager and being like, all right, get with the record label and make sure that they've got the marketing plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so all of the nitty gritty details that have to go into each one of those aspects. That's cool. Or what the day-to-day does. So you were doing all of that in high school. No, uh, no, <laughs> and obviously very, very different. And I say that, but a lot, but sometimes being yeah. a manager is also like glorified babysitting. Well, for because sure. you're there, yeah. just kind of like making sure the artist is taken care of mm-hmm. on site at certain things. Mm-hmm. And it, the band I was managing in high school, obviously, they were just like yeah. a local band. If they were lucky, they were getting paid at the yeah. shows that they were playing. But so it wasn't like they had a tour manager mm-hmm. or other people handling other aspects of what they were doing so i was the person who would like communicate with the venue to be like okay what time do they need to be there i'll get with you about getting Mm. them paid and (laughs) things like that so that the artist could focus on doing what the artist does best which is play the music yeah but my point too it was is that you kind of were doing some of these things but at a such a smaller very different level At a small universe level. Practice level. Yeah, and I think that that's cool, though, because did you know at that point? So now before we get into the story, like, you know, here you are in high school, soon to be graduating, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. You had sung. You knew that you wanted to be in music, is what you were saying last Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But you were already on the assumption, well, if I don't make it, Mm -hmm. I should probably have a plan B. Yeah, well, and so the plan B was if if I don't make it as a singer, I want to work in the music industry in some mm. capacity yeah. to where I can help other people who are trying to make it as artists for sure help their dreams come true. And I didn't know I had no idea what a booking agent was back then. I really didn't even know what a manager was, mm. but you would always hear about like the record label. 100%. So at that point, I wanted to work in A&R at a record label. I wanted to help discover the new talent mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff if yeah. I was going to have to work in the industry versus being the artist. All right. Well, let's pick up then. Now that we have a couple definitions set and we know what you are and who you are, mm-hmm. take us back. So I... um. Let's see, where should I go? So I graduate high school and I'm in Falmouth, Massachusetts Mm -hmm. on Cape Cod. And um, I had ended up deciding to go to James Madison University, which is in Virginia, in a really small town in Virginia. And the reason I had chosen to go there, besides it being a great school, is because they had a great music business program. Uh So I go there. I'm there for one semester. The school was awesome. Made a lot of great friends. I rushed for a sorority down there and stuff and things were going great it was very far from massachusetts like i would have only been able to go home for like christmas or thanksgiving like you know not go home for all the holidays and things like that um and it just i didn't want to stay at jmu so as the semester at jmu is winding down i'm trying to figure out how i can transfer uh-huh. to the University of Massachusetts at, in Amherst, which is like the main UMass. Uh-huh. It's like the zoo is what they call it. It's the big <laughs> campus. And it's in the mountains in western Massachusetts, beautiful area. And all transfer programs have been closed for the semester. Like you uh-huh. could not get in. And they didn't have a music business program. So the program I was trying to get into was called the BDIC program, which was Bachelor's Degree with Individual Concentration Basically, if you you had to like apply to this program and explain why you should be allowed in because it allowed you to create your own bachelor's degree if the school did not offer what it was that you wanted to major in. And they didn't have anything like music business. So I couldn't apply to that because all of that was closed because I was applying so late to transfer. But sounds like your M.O. (laughs) <laughs> no. After doing a lot of digging, <laughs> this is where my tenacity, my tenacious side comes in. Um, I discovered that the um, 
veterinarians program, uh, like equine veterinarians for horses. Oh, cool. They were still accepting transfer students. Nah. So I applied to that school uh-huh. as part of UMass. And actually ended up getting accepted. Ah. So basically what I did is I transferred acting like I was going to go into becoming a horse veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do love horses and I did find it very interesting, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. But so that Did you actually have to go to a class? I did, yeah. So <laughs> that first semester, my spring semester freshman year was the first semester I had at UMass. I had to take, um, I think it was like two, no, maybe just one, like one equine class and it was a like an intro like veterinary equine class which was really really interesting and I was able to get some other like gen ed classes out of the Mm. way and stuff like that and went ahead that semester and started my application process into the BDIC program. BD? Bachelor's degree with individual concentration BDIC. So (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. That's a BDE. No. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) So I ended up getting accepted Mm -hmm. into the BDIC program Uh and uh, starting my first semester sophomore year in the fall, I was able to actually start going to the classes that I had pitched basically as like what I would need to create this degree. So I had everything in there from like management classes like business management classes and marketing and I took entrepreneurship and communications I took some music theory like I tried to like actually mm-hmm. tie a little bit of music yeah in there and stuff like that and so um what I ended up calling my degree was entertainment and performance industry management because you couldn't call it music business gotcha you had it because that's False advertisement? I, I, well, I guess. And because that's like an actual degree at other schools, like this had to be something that was like specific ah. to why I needed to be in this program at UMass. Gotcha. So entertainment and performance a, industry management. That's a pretty cool idea when it comes to a school because... It was super unique. Well, I think it was that, really cool. That, I mean, just looking back on my experience with college, which was short-lived, but... I hated every class. I hated all the things I had to do to finally get to what I thought I wanted. And if I got to choose all the classes I wanted to take, I mean, to create a degree, that'd be awesome. Well, it was it was really, really cool because... Do they still offer it? They do, yeah. BDIC wow. is a huge program there. But I think definitely the class that resonated with me the most and the professor that resonated with me the most while I was there was my entrepreneurship class with Professor Thoreau, and he's still there. I need to actually reach out to him and say hi. But he um, helped create what is now, like, modern cable TV. Wow. Like, he helped start Comcast Xfinity, basically, like, the technology for it as an entrepreneur, and then ended up becoming a professor at UMass. And he was awesome. He actually, like... When I eventually ended up deciding to apply to grad school, mm. he wrote my recommendation letters that I sent out to everywhere. Really, but he cool. was awesome. But so while I was in college, in horse classes, only the one class. So we've we've passed that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, my gosh, when did it start? I guess my so my junior year of college. I uh, realized I needed to get an internship Mm -hmm. in the music industry in order to like actually hopefully be able to get a job after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And a girl, AJ, um, she ended up actually being an alumni of UMass and she was the like coordinator slash assistant to the VP of publicity for Columbia Records in New York. Oh, real cool. So I ended up interviewing with her like... The only reason she posted this internship on UMass's, like, internship website was because she had gone to school there. Otherwise, she would have obviously gone for, like, an NYU student Mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody who actually was going to get a quote-unquote music business degree. So I interviewed with her at a coffee shop in Amherst and ended up getting the internship. And I I just turned 21 at the end of my junior year. And moved to New York City for the summer all by myself. Yeah. Uh, I ended up living in this building that actually was like specifically for people who were doing internships Uh in the city. 
Um, it was in this really nice part of Brooklyn, like just over the bridge, uh, Brooklyn Heights. And it was awesome. I would just like jump on the subway and take the subway in to, um, what was it? 550 Madison, I think was the address. Sony's not there anymore. That's the parent label of Columbia Records. Real cool. But it was really, really awesome. I, uh, so I worked in the publicity department and I actually like never had to go get anybody coffee i think i only picked up lunch like a handful of times i was actually very involved in i can see doing that. actual things so you're still enrolled though at umass yeah this is just a summer a internship summer that sa- intern. that counted for um credits wow towards yeah. your towards my made degree, up degree. Mm-hmm. correct towards my made up and degree. i say made up degree because you Cause I did made it, it up, up. Yeah, yeah i mean exactly but I mean, it was awesome that first summer. I mean, I was super broke because, of course, the music industry doesn't pay their interns. <laughs> and I'm living in like the second most expensive city in the country. So my parents, thankfully, uh, were kind and generous enough. And my family was blessed enough that they were able to support me while I was in uh-huh. New York so that I could pay the rent for where yeah. I was living. You don't have to go get a job at Hooters. And things like that. Yeah, no, my dad was not going to let that happen. <laughs> Unlike my dad. My yeah. dad let me do it. Well, it's different when you're a guy working at Hooters <laughs> than a girl. But um, but it was really cool. I uh, So I wasn't in the A&R department like I had you know, originally, originally. hoped, but yeah. I made friends in the A&R department. And uh, I actually was good friends with a band um, who... I had previously been signed to Interscope Records, mm-hmm. Twisted Method, who yep. we've talked about before, and, an awesome metal band. Yep. And, and they're from Florida. They're though. from Florida. Yeah. yeah. From Fort Myers, from Cape Coma, Florida yeah. is what they call it, the Cape Coral area. But they had uh, when, or were they on Geffen? I think they were on Geffen Records, and then Geffen disappeared. And mm. when Geffen disappeared, a, the majority of the acts got dropped. Interscope only took on a handful of them, and so they got dropped. And then they kind of rebranded, and instead of being, like, super metal, they ended up sort of being, like, pop-punk metal. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Fallout Boy and different bands like yeah. that were really big on, like, TRL and stuff. Like, My Chemical Romance was mm. really big at the time, so... Rock was very popular, but it was rock that you could, like, sing along to versus the screaming kind. So they had started this band called Makeshift Romeo. And uh, I ended up, like, playing their music all the time at Columbia, just, like, hoping, oh, maybe somebody will ever hear this. (laughs) And I can, like, get my friends who are super talented. I mean, they were awesome. Like, get them basically a showcase uh-huh. and they did end up getting a showcase wow. which is crazy they did it didn't end up turning into anything unfortunately at least at columbia but it was so cool because when they like came to new york yeah. to do the showcase i got to see them i got to like be in the room when they did oh, it and cool. stuff so that was really awesome i didn't get any of the credit because of course they and our people were like yeah we found this band and i was like <laughs> yeah i gave you a burned cd of their music <laughs> such a music industry I, thing I to know. do it totally is but it was really cool i mean like is that your ice cream cone over there oh no that's, it's mine <laughs> yeah, i think that's fine yeah but i mean it was really back then the music industry well it was still, still a different beast i mean so like napster and LimeWire yeah. were a thing. All of that was happening. Like, all that came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So the illegal downloading that was happening in the music industry was absolutely crushing it. Yeah. Like, it was a major, 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 major problem for the music industry. And unfortunately, instead of trying to figure out how to harness that technology, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to fight it. Yeah. And there was no way to fight it. It was... It was just spreading too fast. Yeah, it was out there. So um, so because of that, like that was that was definitely going, but it hadn't crippled the industry yet. Mm. So back then, there was still a ton going on at like MTV, VH1. Mm. You remember Fuse? Oh, yeah. I used Fuse to pass Fuse. Fuse was huge back then. Uh, they used to have an office right across from Penn Station. Oh, did they really? Well, it wasn't. I think it was like. Oh, maybe that is where I went. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So one day, a bunch of artists that we represented were in town, um, like 
Columbia Records at the time had Coheed and Cambria, and yeah. they had Acceptance, oh, such a great band, and they had like Switchfoot, and they had like a lot of, mm-hmm. of those types of bands, which were right up my alley. And so Switchfoot had come into town, and they were supposed to go host one of the countdowns, like music video countdowns on Fuse, and AJ wasn't able to go because she had to help the VP of publicity with something else. So she was like, can you take Switchfoot like to this taping, like go be their representative? And I was like, sure. Yes. So I like rode around in this like company car with them. They were super nice, like acted like I was their PR representative while we were there. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was basically just like, hey, I'm Berkeley. I'm with Columbia <laughs> Records. Like, but, here's the guys. Tell us what to do. But, but what you just said is, I think, such a. That's like half the battle in the music industry, or oh, in yeah. like act any, like you know what you're doing. You just walk in fine. and say, "Hey, my name's so and so. Yeah, we're we're gonna set up over here." And they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we had this side yeah, over did here." Did you get the band's rider? Yeah. <laughs> you just just throw out a bunch of words, and people yeah. are like, "Oh, for sure." Well, because absolutely, ninety percent of the time, the first person you run into is probably an intern too. Yeah, or an assistant, or an assistant. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they might know a little, but they're not. Yeah. So by the time the big guy gets there. Half the thing is already done, and they're just like, whatever, let's yeah, just get this over with. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it sounds even crazier to say. So, like, the first time I ever went to MTV TRL, uh-huh. and it was one of the only times I ever got to go, I had to take over on tape. Like, on tape. Uh-huh. Think about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a digital delivery uh, or something like that. Like, tape. they needed the physical copy. Of this tape, which I'm sure eventually got digitized. Because back then, like, TiVo had just come out. So, like, DVRing was a whole new thing. I had to take this, like, brand new special edit of a music video and get in a car and take it across town and get it there (laughs) in time for TRL because it had just made the countdown. That's wild. Insane. So yeah, because nowadays you, I mean, now, like, I think. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link via yeah, email. It'll be uh, there in about 10 seconds. Here's the Dropbox. Yeah, exactly. But I had to physically deli- hand deliver That's pretty cool. this tape, which was wild. That is wild. That's yeah. awesome, though. So it was really cool. Yeah, I lived there for three months. Um, loved it. It just really solidified that this is what I want to do if mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a singer. And if I am going to be a singer, well, at least I'm learning the music industry on, on the inside. There is that, too. As you still, well. You still could if you really wanted to. This was just strictly you doing something so you didn't end up having to go back at 35 and say, well, now right. I go back to school. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> now I need to do something. So um, so when you were living in your shoebox in... Oh, yeah, I had a roommate. Like, it was two twin beds in this, like... <laughs> I literally, like, I would come home from my internship and I would open a can of corned beef hash and, like, throw that in a pot. Because there wasn't, like, a real kitchen. Like, you had, like, a little no, hot yeah. plate. And that would be my dinner with, like, a Bud Light. With a Bud Light. Because I was 21 and I was like, woo! Time to drink beer. Yeah, I was... Real healthy beer and canned corned beef hash is what I would eat. Oh, I don't. I mean, I believe me, I've yeah. been there and smoke cigarettes. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, you want to have like 10 before you go to bed so of that course. way you look as cool as you can. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, that's cool. Though. I mean, I, I, I growing up around the idea of wanting to be in music, New York City was always. L.A. and New York City were clearly the mecca for either one. For sure. You know, like you could say, well, I want to go to New York because I feel like, you know, I want to try to get into some hip hop or, you know, I really like Wu-Tang Clan or, you know, you had all these giants over there, mm-hmm. Biggie and, you know. And then L.A. was like, well, you know, maybe I would do some uh, punk rock or some rock and roll or, you know. So I can see the allure of be- living in New York or living yeah. in Brooklyn Taking the train in. Yeah. Every day. You're living that life. I'm like listening to music on my iPod on the subway, <laughs> like feeling super cool. I mean. You look like the commercial. 100%. You look like the commercial. Oh my but... gosh. 100%. <laughs> it was awesome. Do you have the new iPad or iPod? Yeah, and... iPad was not a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, 64 gigs. You're like, I can hold 17 songs. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll take you three days to download on. But remember, that was part of like all their their pitches too. Is like you can have 
ten thousand songs on here. Right. You know, you're right. Like, it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, that's way more than I could make on a mixtape or a burned CD or yeah. whatever. That's cool though. So yeah. then, so here you are, summertime, living the dream. Living the dream. You've gotten to actually do a couple of cool things. Yeah. You're a junior, so you have one more half so, semester and then a full. Uh, uh, no, so like this was summer after my junior oh, okay. year, so summer before my senior year of gotcha. college. So I finish up my internship. Were you in a sorority then? Yes. So actually, I was getting to that. So I was in a sorority all through college. Kappa Kappa Gamma. What's up, KKG? Uh, Delta New Chapter. <laughs> and I was Can the social the chair. No. I was, I will not sing any songs, they're secret. <laughs> I was a social chair my junior year before uh-huh. I went off to this internship. Uh-huh. And then I actually got elected to be president of my sorority my senior year. Okay. And so, um, so anyways, that kept me very, very busy. <laughs> but so I, I come back. Did you just have like a flat? You... <laughs> I, 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 took, I was like, wait, where was I you going? Pa- you paused for a second and went to a different world. <laughs> I couldn't remember where I was going with that statement. <laughs> I was just picturing you, like, in your brain, there was young Berkeley, like, keg standing a beer, yes. and you're like, oh, oh yeah, what, 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 what were we talking about? Music? Good times, good times. Flip cup champion of all of Greek life. Go me. So, uh, before, Like, literally. How did you, I guess you're getting to why you joined a sorority, or can I ask that now? Oh, you can ask that. Why did I join a sorority? Yeah, what was the, like... Going into music, was there like anything in your brain like that was telling you like if I do this, there's a chance or I just had I'd always been interested in it. My mom was in a sorority, my okay. dad was in a fraternity. Uh I think my my mom was in the same sorority as my grandmother. Gotcha. So their uh sorority was not at my campus, so I couldn't like join that as a legacy or so anything. So now you're rivals. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but so I had just always been interested in it. I thought it would be a great way to make friends, mm-hmm. meet a bunch of people. For sure. Um, I'd always been, like, really involved in, like, school spirit and stuff like that in high school and just figured it was another great way to, like, be a part of the overall, like, campus student experience. body, campus experience and stuff like that. And I loved it. It was awesome. All right. So back to your so your daydream. Senior your... year. Um, there. So back when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, at a church event, um, like our youth group at the church that I went to on Cape Cod went to a church event off Cape in, I think maybe it was in Fall River, um, Massachusetts, which is right near Rhode Island. It's like right on the border of Rhode Island. Okay. And I ended up meeting this guy there, Matt Medeiros, and we became friends and we ended up like long distance dating air quotes for like two weeks like we were into each other for like two weeks but we stayed friends uh-huh. and he ended up hitting me up man i think on myspace back when like myspace was a huge thing i mean all that was like just starting back then tom was the man he was the man and so everybody's first friend on myspace <laughs> always had a friend <laughs> always had a friend everyone had a friend on so MySpace. he reached out to me and Oh, that's why the church event, I was like singing at this church event and he was playing guitar. That's how I ended up meeting. So he reached out to me and was like, hey, I am auditioning to be the lead guitarist of this band in Rhode Island. Uh They're also looking for a singer. They want a female singer for this like pop punk band they've got going on. He was like, would you be interested? And I was just like, oh, I mean, like that music sounds like it'd be right up my alley. Um, sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's add something else to my plate. I'm graduating <laughs> college this year. I'm the president of my sorority. Why don't I drive two plus hours to Warwick, Rhode Island, which is like just outside of Providence, mm-hmm. to audition to be the lead singer of this band mm-hmm. where I don't know anybody. Part of your dream. Except though. this guy. Yeah. Part of my dream. So the bonus to that is that my best friend Sydney was in college at Salve Regina, which is in Newport, Rhode Island, which was only like a 20 or 30 minute drive from Warwick. So I like made plans. Oh, I'll come visit you for the weekend. I'll audition for this band and I'll come hang out with you and then I'll go back like Sunday night uh, before we had our chapter meeting. So they told me they were like, yeah, you need to come prepared to sing 
these three songs by Paramore. And at the time, I had never heard of Paramore. <laughs> so I had no, I literally learned these songs and sang along to them on that two hour drive that repeat. day. Repeat. On repeat. <laughs> and of course, through the course of that, I fell madly in love with <laughs> Paramore. I mean, Haley Williams' voice is just insane. Yeah. And that was on, back when their like first album was getting to be really big. I mean, just so many great songs on there. So I go down there and I audition and I end up getting the lead singer gig for this band. Yeah, and at the great. time, the band was called Phineas, which I always forget about, but he reminded me of the other day. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then they decided that we were going to change the name, and we became The Gradual. So that was the name of the band that I was in. Um, and yeah, I would go down every single weekend. Mm -hmm. I would drive that two-plus hours, Jeez. go and do band practice in uh, one of the guitarists' basement of his parents' house, and then go from there to Newport and hang out with Sydney wow. for the weekend. And then I would drive all the way back to UMass and continue doing school and all that other stuff. So sorority partying was done during the week from what I'm hearing now. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, some, we, I guess we practiced maybe not every weekend, maybe oh. it was every other weekend. I was going to say, but oh. But anytime we had practice, I would be there. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And then you guys would play around Rhode Island and surrounding cities. Well, so it or? took a minute before we played our first show. Before we even played our first show, we submitted a song that we recorded in that basement to the radio for like a radio contest to get your song played on the radio. Oh, we wow. didn't win, but uh, that song, actually, it was a it was a great song. The recording, obviously not so great. It was done like uh -huh. the microphone hanging from the ceiling <laughs> behind pantyhose strung across a uh, <laughs> coat hanger. <laughs> and uh, That's what recorded, that, that's what home recording yeah, studios were back yeah, then, though. Sydney played it for her class that she teaches high school English to the other day, which I was mortified about. <laughs> yeah, they probably were like, can you... They said it slaps. They Tur liked it. Can so you turn it this good. off? No. I'm, I was like, don't lie. And she was like, no, they actually liked it. They want me to play more. Send me more music. <laughs> Send me more music. That's amazing. I love it. So, yeah. Um, and then we ended up going to this studio. It was somewhere else in Rhode Island called Boo Studios. And the engineer was awesome. He was so nice. I don't remember his name. He was this big black guy with like the longest dreads I'd ever seen. They were so awesome. Nice. And he was so, so cool. So friendly. Recorded two songs. Once, one song? Recorded one song for us. And it was the first song that I had ever written. Whoa. Which I actually wrote during my entrepreneurship class when Sydney had come up to visit me one time Very at cool. school and I wasn't paying attention. I was writing down <laughs> lyrics and yeah, we actually ended up way down the line when we ended up going and recording a full EP. We used the harmony ideas that that engineer at Boo Studios had had and incorporated it into what ended up becoming the final recording Very of cool. that song. So you kind of were, in a way, living out everything that you were wanting to since you were in high school. Yeah. Well, because I had made the deal with my parents, like, you have school. to go to college, yeah. and after college, you can go do whatever you want, as yeah. long as you have, like, that backup plan. So I was doing both at the same time, like, okay, when I graduate, I'm going to have this band, and if we decide we're going to go to L.A. or New York or whatever, I'm going to be able to do that because I'm going to have this college degree and I'll find a job in the mm -hmm. music industry and I'll do both. Like that was the overall. That was it. Were you plan. still thinking L.A. or were you thinking maybe going I mean, I back to New York? I think the thought was always L.A. because that was really more, I guess, like the scene. So to speak, New York was always an option, but I also hated being cold. So I was like ready <laughs> to get away from that New England weather. Yeah. Um, the, there is something to be said about everything else LA. I've never lived there, so I can't really speak on it too much. Visiting LA, well, I, I have my differences, but the weather, it's, yeah, it's unbeatable. Pretty great. I mean, it's just awesome weather Definitely. all the time. So I could see the appeal. Yeah. Plus, yeah, being in a band, you go hang out on Sunset Strip or right. you know, take yeah. your band and maybe get a, a gig at the Viper Room. Right. Or, I mean, yeah. like, those are all the, those were, I think. Those are the, like, iconic yeah. places other than CBGB, which by that time in New York, may it rest in peace, because it's not there anymore. Yeah. There weren't a lot of clubs 
well, that was, we knew of. That you knew of. That we could get into. Yeah, because you had like 930 in D.C. You had Lupo's in Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Yeah. You had all these big clubs, but they were, you had to be someone kind of to get in, right? Right. Yeah, so I, 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 could, I could see where, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I, music is a hard business to get into. And oh, I think that's so, and why. And you have no idea how yeah. hard it is when you're starting out like that. Because it's like all dreams and butterflies and rainbows and you're like oh but we're so good like it's gonna be so easy it is impossible well no you're you're exactly right as you dream about it like as a 15 year old it seems easy mm-hmm. but the second you go to research how do i <laughs> yeah Especially back then, because yeah, it wasn't like you could just Google. There wasn't a YouTube channel to tell you like, oh, well, if you want to do record, this. do this. Yeah, do, all you know, that like, was like in its infancy. Well, you'd have to read, or you'd have to go mm-hmm. and actually learn from someone. It was like a trade almost exactly. in a way. Like starting a band back then was way harder than it is now mm-hmm. because of the process. It's like you said, you could write a song today and put it on TikTok. Within an yeah, hour. 100%. And have a chance. Like, yeah, a very small chance. It could go chance. viral. You very, very small know. chance. But, like, think of, like, Sway, 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 Swayco, right? Swayco, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if he started before TikTok, but I never heard about him until TikTok. Right. And I was like, wow, he's good. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> listen to his stuff on Spotify. I'm going to go listen to more of his stuff. Right. But back in the day, you really had to go through those A&R people or meet someone that worked at a record label mm-hmm. or meet someone that was in the business that could pass your disc along. Exactly like mm-hmm. you said with your friends. It's like, did they get something from it? No, but they had their foot in the door, which is extremely hard. So mm-hmm. yeah, going to school, I could see where your parents were right and saying, well, okay, fine. Yeah. Go. But at least do yourself a favor and have something to fall back on. Right. Exactly. Totally cool. Exactly. So you're in UMass still. You've started this band. Yeah. You're the front girl. Yep. Whoa. What was yep. your outfit? I was actually, I've seen a couple of your outfits. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Was stuff one of them from... on your Tinder profile? I think that's what no. made me like you. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I like, mean, I've, all, I've like, had Whoa. like a rocker like vibe, obviously, for a very long time. But yeah. back then it was like. The fishnet, like, gloveys, and, I mean, Avril Lavigne was huge back then, so, like, a little tie, maybe, or, like, the three-quarter pants that had, like, the belts and random things that would, like, hang off the suspenders that would hang off the side. Yeah, I never and, liked those. Well, I thought they were cute. I had a faux hawk. I mean, I had I did like your hair. Things. Every photo I've ever seen your hair back in the day, I liked. Thanks. So. It so was you, very different, a lot. <laughs> so <you> shop, <laughs> I changed it all the time. <laughs> so you're a sorority girl shopping at Hot Topic. Yep, yep. So there, I looked very different from everybody else in my sorority. There was a really fun story that you did tell me one time, and I know that we've kind of jumped around a little bit, but we're still moving down this path. When was that um, uh, convention oh, that nationals. you had to go to? <laughs> was that in this same time period? So same time period. Okay, so you're um, in the band. So I'm in the band. I had, or if I wasn't in the band yet, I mean, I still was like very much into the rocker look yeah. and stuff. Um, I had gotten my hair cut into a very like David Bowie labyrinth-esque hairstyle. Nice. Um, if you don't know what that is, y'all look it up and literally imagine me <laughs> with that hair, except that it was blonde and black. Uh-huh. So it was pretty wild looking. I loved it. Um, and, uh, you know, I had started getting tattoos. I didn't have like a lot of it. I didn't have my sleeve or anything like that yet. But I definitely looked very rock and roll, like studded belts, Chuck Taylors, all the things. Uh-huh. And um, that year, Nationals was in, I think it was actually in Rhode Island, Rhode Island or Connecticut. And so it's like where you have the president from every chapter across the nation of our sorority would come and meet with the women who basically like, I mean, they were alumni of some of the chapters that like ran Kappa Kappa Gamma overall for like charity and all kinds of stuff like that. Because like philanthropy is a huge part of being in Greek life. Which I never knew about until you told me. Yes. Huge part. So 
I go to this nationals convention where I'm like there for like a weekend. It's all these meetings and all this stuff. And when I get to the hotel where it's at, I walk in and like all eyes are on me (laughs) because like to describe what the typical like like the stereotypical Kappa girl would look like. Um, long hair, wealthy, um, like would wear juicy couture or like, you know, those track suits were like super yeah, back, in, the time, back then, yeah, yeah. always wore pearls or like one of those Tiffany chain link necklaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it was, that was the typical yeah. look, very, um, Tra- classy, like yeah. traditional, style yeah i did not fit that mold <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> the record so, scratched as you walk in 100 percent. like everybody went dead quiet like turn all at the same time look at me so i go to the registration table and i was like hi i'm berkeley myers like i'm here to register uh-huh. and they were like i don't think you're at the right table and i was like no i am and they were like no, I think you're confused. Like, I don't think you're at the right location. Like, like this is the Avril national Levine. convention for the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority. I was like, I am the president of the Delta New chapter. Like, my name is on that list. And they were just, like, shocked. By the end of the weekend, everybody loved me, and I'd made all the friends yeah, and all yeah, the things. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it, we've talked about it before. I mean, unfortunately, there's stereotypes in the world. But I mean, it ended up actually being awesome for our chapter at our school because we ended up really expanding on the types of people that we recruited and that's an awesome thing members we got away from like the cookie cutter looking for the same types of people and really started to have a much more diverse yeah well the group point of women the point is is to help people so yeah. i mean if you're going to go help people you might as well have people that have the best idea on how to help people as opposed to you look really good yeah as exactly already member exactly <laughs> exactly because Let's be honest. A lot of it used to be based on the physical, for sure. Well, for sure. And I think even in modern times today, I'm sure there still is a lot of that. But that's awesome that you helped. And I think that's one of the the best qualities about this entire story that if, if people listening can take away from anything is that you've taken a lot of typical stereotypes, crushed them, and then helped people see the bigger picture as to whatever task you were or whatever job you were doing whatever industry you know party you were helping throw Mm -hmm. you know it's like you've always told me all these really really cool stories it's like oh yeah like they didn't have this when I first started and then I ended up becoming the president then I ended up starting this book that Mm -hmm. now travels with everyone that helps people do this or Mm -hmm. you know so I think that out of this that story wasn't just to laugh I mean it's a good it is funny it is a funny story (laughs) but but that that to me there was so much more to that and i think that that's why i think i really love hearing your story and i and it inspires me to be you know like that helps me to be like okay well maybe i shouldn't judge a book by its cover more yeah exactly (laughs) you just never know you never know so all right so you've come back from this you're in the band yes so you look hot over there by the way uh like looks wise or like temperature wise both it's i'm hot i am temperature wise <laughs> i'm sweating i had to, it out I had to bring here. it up a bit. my uh my <laughs> my bob blast is delicious by oh way. i hate you my um, water is so good is so, um and uh, i mean besides the fact that i'm obviously like visibly pregnant now so that's making me like even more hot temperature wise i can only see snoop dogg's eyes his <laughs> mouth has disappeared and it's it's just my a- belly <laughs> So, okay, so fast forward to I am getting ready to graduate college yes. and have applied all over the place to like every record label for every entry level assistant position, all the things. And unfortunately, besides illegal downloading, at this point, really starting to cripple the music industry, payola had also come into play and payola is back in the day record labels would um they would they would send i mean they would actually like pay some radio stations with money 
or with promises of like, you could use our corporate jet or we will send you to this island on this vacation. Anything like that, where you're basically like trading favors okay. to get songs played on the radio for your artists. Oh, wow. I never heard of that. Super illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't really like... Nobody was cracking down on that as a law. Okay. I mean, if you think about it, it's fraud hmm? because these songs that are getting played on the radio over and over and over and over and over again, they're, they're supposed to be getting played because supposedly that's what the listener base wants. True. Well, that's not what was happening. Radio was taking favors from record labels and things like that. And it was sort of like a mafia tactic, if you think about it. Like, if you do this for us, well, we'll let you do this. <laughs> and it, it was, you know, making... It was a big barrier of entry for artists that were actually really great, trying to make it, trying to get played on the radio. Mm -hmm. If you didn't work for a major record label that had millions of dollars and jets and vacations and things to throw at these radio stations your stuff wasn't going to get played and your artist just was never going to become popular because back then radio was still such a major factor in an artist's career across yeah. all genres yeah so the payola scandal happens and basically what goes down is that at the time elliot spitzer was the new york attorney general okay and he went to the big four record labels which back then were Sony, Universal, RCA, EMI. No, RCA was part of Sony. Oh, okay. And Warner. Warner. Ah. And basically said, like, this has to stop. I'm going to fine you millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you, so like, you basically had to like pay reparations to the government. He wasn't going to put anybody in jail. <laughs> yeah. As long as they paid the fines and got rid of the, so to speak, like bad seeds at the companies who had been doing this. So all these people, like entire departments of like radio promo staffs were fired, wow. lost their jobs. Even if they weren't doing anything wrong, it didn't matter. It was basically like a clean house yeah. moment across the industry. All of that and illegal downloading and the recession were uh, all happening when I graduated college. Fun. There were no entry-level jobs. <laughs> Zero jobs. Mind you, the entry-level jobs that I was applying for were for, like, living in New York City. You'll make $20,000 a year, like, below the poverty line and have to work 80 hours a week. Doesn't that sound great? Go get a second job. Whatever. So I couldn't get a job, um, which was obviously very worrisome. And then, thankfully, um, a guy who I'd been friends with who was in one of the fraternities on campus, this guy, Adam, he was working um, in the sales department of this brand new startup company okay. called Groove Mobile. And Groove Mobile was basically the iTunes for Sprint. Mm. So back then, iTunes had like recently started and it was on Verizon. Yeah. And then Sprint had Groove Mobile. And that was how you were able to download ringtones. Yeah. yeah. As well as, I mean, like some full songs, it wasn't like super available yet because the technology wasn't quite there yet but that was really like how you were getting music onto your phone and stuff back then so they hired me thankfully he got me an interview and they ended up hiring me to be like the content coordinator mm -hmm. for groove mobile for a certain territory and i worked with this like worldwide territory with record labels in australia and canada and all over the place where they would basically tell me these are the songs that we have coming out that are priority for us. We need you to make them priority in the store for these like playlists and whatever, because all that was just getting started. So that was my first job outside of college is I would be the content manager, huh. basically sitting in this little cubicle, like <laughs> manually programming and uploading this data from these record labels wow. to put into the playlist that would show up in the music store on your phone. That's wild. It was wild. I and it wasn't. I hated it. <laughs> it was so far removed from the actual music industry that I had always wanted to work in. Yeah. Like, yes, it was technically still involved with music, but like, yeah. I was a programmer for a phone. Like, it, I wasn't working at a record label or a management company. Mm. I wasn't out going to shows or events or being involved with artists. Yeah. 
So I worked there for two years. But that's but that's that that is though that growth though. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. those are those moments in life where you're like, oh, this stinks so bad. But yeah. if I learn something here, I can take it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, and so you're getting I was, paid. I least. was getting. I was making good money. <laughs> For like your first job out of college, it was way better than what I would have made what working at a record label. Two thousand six, six, two thousand six. Back in New York, right? No, I'm in Boston. Boston, Boston. So I was living and working in Boston, which was awesome. We've talked about me being a huge Red Sox fan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was amazing. I loved living in Boston. It was awesome. And so my comp, the, my office was outside of the city. So I was one of the few people in the city who had a car. So I would drive to work, but they also would allow you to work from home. And that was like unheard of back then. So like one or two days. Yeah, way (laughs) pre-COVID. One or two days a week I would work from home, which was awesome. Um, And then on the weekends, I was always going to Rhode Island to still go to band practice. Wow. But the great part about being, about living and working in Boston is that I had started to make a bunch of connections at like the local clubs and stuff in boston so my band started playing Ah, at some of these really uh iconic places in boston which was really amazing like the middle east was i don't even know if it's still there i think it is i don't know but they had an upstairs that was a smaller room that was like maybe like a 200 250 cap and then they had the middle east downstairs which was like the big room that had it felt like i don't know 500 to 700 people or something like that so um that was really my outlet was Band Band. practice, playing shows in Providence and in Boston. We're like doing the circuit. Our name is really starting to get out there. Uh, You know, we're starting to play with like other like bands that were in the same genre that were well known around there that were like getting looked at by record labels and different things like that. So we were a part of the scene, so to speak, by this point, which was really awesome. So it was through playing those Boston clubs and stuff that. We ended up meeting this guy, Mike, who had started an independent record label mm-hmm. in Boston called uh, Red Blue Records. Okay. And we didn't want to sign with them. The business dealings back then, I wasn't like super keen on. It didn't sound like a good idea for us. But he was a really fun guy. Um, and he ended up putting together a compilation of bands that were on his record label as well as like other bands that he knew and was friends with that uh, was part of this like Red Blue Records Warp Tour compilation. Okay. So he would go around and like sell them at the different Warp Tour stops, which was really cool. Very cool. Yeah. So we did stuff like that and played shows all over the place. We sold out the Middle East downstairs for our EP release when we eventually had that, which was really awesome. And when did you, uh, so how long did you work at Boost Mobile? At Groove? Groove Mobile. Two years. Two years. So then they actually got uh, some like venture capitalist investors Uh were interested in the company and bought it out and turned it into Livewire, not LimeWire, but Livewire Livewire Mobile. Okay. Which it may still exist today up until, I mean. Sounds like a burner. It existed for a while. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the crazy thing is, is that my direct boss when I was at Groove Mobile and a couple of the other guys had had the idea of turning it into a subscription-based model. Oh, wow. And that was a brand new idea back then, and they wouldn't go for it. Really? So if you think about, like, fast forward to now, like Spotify and Apple Music and all that are subscription-based models. Yeah. And they had the idea way back before that was ever even Someone used to work for them and took it somewhere else. It, <laughs> it very well could have happened. So when... when like, that's a horrible idea. Hold, yeah, they were like, hold my calls after this. I can't imagine <laughs> that anyone is ever going to pay a monthly fee. Like, they're fine with paying the 99 cents a song or... Everything is Whatever it was. Now. And now everything is subscription-based. They were way ahead of their time. Car washes are subscription-based. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's amazing how they work because they're all based around a model that you'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in reality, think about it. You're like, oh, I just paid two ninety nine for this one thing and I can go download as many ringtones as I want every month. Yeah. Eventually you'll stop downloading them and eventually you'll forget that that $2.99 gets pulled out. Mm-hmm. And boom, they boom. win. I know. It's 
crazy. So I, when all of that happened and the buyout was going on, a lot of people lost their jobs. I actually get was offered to stay. Cool. They wanted me to stay on, but I was so miserable. I just I could <laughs> not do it. I still couldn't get a job at a record label or anywhere else. Everything was so still really trying. rough in the industry. You were like yeah, I stayed in touch with like all the people I'd met at Columbia, and they're literally just like there were no openings. Yeah. There was nothing. So I actually ended up deciding, well, if I'm not going to be able to get a job in the music industry, I have to figure out something else because I am not happy doing this. I guess I'm going to apply to grad schools Uh, and go get my MBA, uh, which I had never, ever, ever wanted to go get a master's degree which was evidenced by my undergraduate grades, <laughs> which were average because I did not apply myself at all in undergrad. Well, you're sorority, two, you're, partying, yeah, playing you're, in my band, doing all the things. You were at the number one party school? At the time, at it the was time. the number one party school, yes. I remember that those uh, studies would come out on, was it Sports Illustrated? No. I think it was Playboy. Maxim, Playboy, one of those. I remember. One but, of those. One of the, one of the magazines, but... Um, it was y'all, and I remember I wanted to go to San Diego State because it was a That big, was another big one, uh, yeah. Arizona State was always yep. in there. Yep, Uh I'm sure there's a few more that were I'm sure. missing. But I, I, what's funny is I remember seeing UMass on that mm-hmm. thing and being like, what is a what UMass? Is that, UMass? that sounds horrible. Yeah, we partied pretty <laughs> hard. <laughs> that makes no sense because no one up in Massachusetts parties hard. No, Every person all. I know drinks their face off. <laughs> Drinks their face, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, you look hot. You look miserable. Thank you. But you no, I said you look hot. But thanks. You know, little little uh, pregnant. Warm. Little pregnant. I'm warm. warm and pregnant. Yes. You want to keep going? <laughs> well, uh, or you want maybe let's do part three. I'm okay with part three. I think but, this is a good place to stop because we're about to transition into what eventually leads me into Nashville. Well, I think that, that I think it's important because you. I think at your next part, you're eventually going to leave your dream of singing eventually yes which uh, i don't that's hard it is well i'm i had to go through that a couple years ago obviously Mm -hmm. and so i think that but i i it is hard and at a younger age i don't think that i would have been as open to it so it's awesome that you were willing to see the bigger picture it took a minute yeah we're not there yet but we're, we're getting there <laughs> well we're so we're, we're also selfish as to what we want to do too you know yeah. it's hard for us to see that sometimes you know whether it be you know whatever you want to say but god just didn't have it in the stars for you yeah, you know just wasn't part and, of the plan and so i think that it's cool that you ended up becoming the person you are because of all these things though so i mean it's awesome well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I say that you look uh, hot and miserable in the nicest way possible. <laughs> I appreciate it. I am overheating. You are correct. I'm ready to be done. I'm just, look, inside. I, I'm just, look, I'm just looking for your, I'm looking out for your best interest. Thank you. I feel like. Uh, the baby is hot. I feel, I feel like a lot of these podcasts at some point, like seeing that we live in the most bi- bipolar weather in the world. Yeah. That. Uh, We're going to be inside pretty soon We'll, this we'll be summer. inside in <laughs> yeah. the summertime. As I get bigger, I am going to have less and less tolerance. For I am going to have to find a co-host, though, eventually for a couple of these. So yeah. I'm going to have to find, I'm going to have to call in a, yeah, maybe a past a episode. or something. <laughs> maybe we should take a poll. Maybe I'll put like five names up there and be like, yeah. who wants to see this person talk to me yeah. for four or five, mm. six episodes? Who could it be? Because you'll be too busy dealing with sleep and... And a little nug. And a little nug. Yeah, and... 100%. Well, all right. Part three, I guess it is. I, guess I had so. four parts, so you know, I, can't, yeah. I can't be too selfish with the, the <laughs> airwaves out here. <laughs> We're getting there, y'all. I promise. I hope that you have found it semi-interesting so far. Well, I don't think any story is interesting until the end. Mm, when it ties it all together it will all get tied well, together. like there's interesting parts to it and there's funny parts to it but i think you have to eventually get to somewhere so people go ah yeah that makes sense yep but that's why it's a story that's why it's a story i'm good at stories i like stories you are i know <laughs> see you guys next time all right, I actually finished. Like, I have never put down. Oh my gosh, a whole, you're I mean, it. it's good like, job. Now well, you have to try a, a different flavor. Dangerous. Dangerous. These are so good. If you are PK out, recommends. 
Look, I'm not sponsored by Mountain Dew, but if you're listening, Mountain Dew, I will take. <laughs> we will take the sponsorship. I will take anything you want to send me. Um, but I am not kidding you. The closest thing to me loving this or something more mm. that's alcoholic is a Natter Day. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a this high is... compliment. Natter Days are delicious. Uh, well, this is just the Baja Blast. I'm right. About. So we'll so see about the other ones. About there the are three ones. other flavors you have to try. So if you're out hanging out safely this year. <laughs> Yes. Don't drink and drive. No drinking and driving. No boating and driving. No boating and driving. Be careful on your bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you're not allowed to do that either. Don't, don't. Uh, no taking a golf cart and drinking while driving a golf cart. That's, that was always the funnest. Yeah, def 100%. Um, That's the whole reason to play golf. Don't scooter. Yeah, just don't do it. Don't pedal. But what's the pedal? I, I saw pedal a, tavern. I saw a pedal tavern tipped over in another city. That was the driver got in trouble for that. Was he drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Too many jello shots. Whoopsies. All All right. right. Bottoms up. Cheers. Thank you so much for swinging by. Make sure to subscribe to this. Share with all your friends. Go buy a hat. Yeah. We'll see you next time. There's still plenty left. Yeah. (laughs) Much love. Love y'all. Bye.